Hey guys, welcome to the Cultivate and Keep podcast. I'm Jeremy and this is Corey and this is where we talk about what we are learning, what we are studying in the Bible and what is new in our businesses. What's up, Corey? Yo, yo, we're back. We're back. It's been a while. We kind of got through off our game there with the scheduling and uh, just the timing of it all, but uh, glad to be recording again. You know, in the two and a half years we've been doing the podcast, that's the first time I think we have like missed a, uh, you know, be consistent for one yeah. week. So. Yeah, yeah, not on the regular schedule. Well, it's not bad. But it's fine. You know, I was kind of thinking, I was like, ah, whatever. Like, people are going to get their episode when they get it, and uh, you can stop your clamoring. <laughs> <laughs> There's a long, a long line of people waiting. Where's yeah, the next yeah, episode? Yeah. No, people are just... Patience, guys, patience. Flooding the DMs, flooding the, the emails. No. Honestly, I didn't get one message. No, me neither. Uh, it's all good. It's all good. People... People are flexible, but yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad to be uh, glad to be back. Mm-hmm. It's May already, which is crazy. So crazy, can't even believe it. Uh, things are looking up in the world, so I'm feeling good. Yeah, same, samesies. Um, well, let's get into it. Let's start with um, uh, what's new with our businesses. That section. Cool. I love it. Uh, you want to lead us off? Or you want me to? Um, I'll start. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, dude, business is finally like back. Like I'm, <laughs> back, I was telling you last week, um, dude, it's so good like i can't really put into words um how i feel but uh, i'm just i'm super grateful but yeah i mean with our event business and even with the moving company as well i mean we have like way like more than enough work it just it's a lot so i remember last year when we uh decided to start a moving company you a lot of people asked me but you asked me too like what's your plan when like it you know becomes too much to manage and i was like i can't wait to have that problem and i was thinking the other day like here it is yeah it's here like that problem has come so um, yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, um, you know, I, th- I would say probably around like April. If, I mean, if speaking for the event business, uh, in April, that's kind of when it, we all kind of like recognize like this year we're finally kind of getting back to normal, I think. And so um, just out of nowhere, dude, people are booking events and events that we thought were going to get rescheduled are not are not being rescheduled anymore. Everything's still happening. Um, and, it's, and it's everyone in the industry, everyone I talk to has the same issue where it's just like the floodgates have opened. And so, yeah, um, I'm super stoked. Like it, um, I don't know, I'm, just, I'm very grateful because last year was not that way and it was, um, it, it kind of sucked. So yeah, dude, it's good. Um, and it's kind of funny timing because, uh, with the events opening back up and things getting busy again, um, I'm not sure why, but we've just had like a flood of like inquiries for moving. I mean, like a lot of people are reaching out for, awesome. for moving jobs and, I would say on average, we probably do about like maybe one move a week, I would say roughly. That's crazy. Um, maybe a little less than that. It kind of just depends on the average. Um, and we, um, I, I think I've shared before, but I have, I've put like zero work into trying to grow or, or advertise like for that. I've kind of just done, I did, a, I did the initial work of you know, making a website and kind of getting things launched and did a couple like posts and whatnot. But since then I've just kind of like whatever comes in, we just do. And, um, so it's been interesting to see uh, just recently, like the uptake of people just coming in. So it's crazy. Um, we have one booked next week to be get for that, and then we have two the following week. And so, um, yeah, we got some big ones. We have one removing someone from LA to uh, to I think Santee. And so, yeah, and there's like a lot of work coming our way. So super excited. I love how um, I love how you can just like put something out there and then just like let it sit for a while, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it just kind of like takes off, yeah. and all of a sudden you have requests and referrals and just like that's actually like amazing one a week is just mm-hmm. that's outstanding yeah and it's, it's been funny how, how they work like i got a call from uh kevin miller kevin miller called me who supports our podcast and he's like hey i met this guy named bill he's gonna call you for a move and 
like be on, be on the lookout and the like, next day a guy calls me and he books and so that's happening right and then um i don't know like another guy called me this last week hey you know your father-in-law referred me to you whatever it's just like kind of funny how like the referrals work and things just come in or um you know it's cool just again i mean uh, like we've been talking about like the importance of just like your network and people that you know and and just kind of like talking about like what you're doing like yeah not and not even in a way of like because whenever I, I meet someone new or whatever like when they ask me what i do like i just share it i don't do it in a way to like try to get new business but just put it out there i remember um in 2019 i think it was uh I was playing basketball on a friday night and uh his name was a guy named daniel uh he was first time ever came to play basketball at the church and we were talking like, oh yeah you know we do event rental he's like oh i just got engaged and he ended up like texting me the next day he booked and he booked chairs for his wedding so there's like stuff like that Crazy. where you just like talk about it and and things happen so um yeah it's good i would say so anyway i'm kind of just talking right now like just uh broadly but for like more specifics so we um 2019 was like our biggest and best year and it's um may right now and um We've already, like, for the whole year, have surpassed the revenue for 2019. So, super <laughs> stoked. Not, that's, that's not money that's already been earned, but what's on our schedule. So, yeah. like, scheduled yeah. revenue for the year has uh, passed our biggest year in 2019. So That's nuts. Um, I'm super excited. We're, like, still in pandemic mode. A little kinda. bit, yeah. Yeah, I mean. And so, normally, at this time in the year, like, wherever our schedule's at, um, we'll add, like, a lot more revenue to it. Because we still have a lot more time for people to book events and go. And so I think we're going to, I think it's going to be a really good year. And so I'm, I'm super excited. Kind of, it's kind of, this year is happening what, how I hoped and wanted 2020 to be. So, um, <laughs> see, I'm super excited about that. I mean, just awesome. things are going well. And um, yeah. And so part of that is one thing we talked about uh, for last year, we wanted to hire like a full-time, um, kind of like our first full-time employee, basically. We wanted someone to um, really kind of like replace me, what I do. So, uh, you know, I do all, obviously all like the business, like that, that side of things, but I still spend a decent amount of time like actually on the truck doing events and kind of what it's been the last year. I basically do most of like the setting up and I try not to do any of the tearing down. Um, and then sometimes I don't do either. It kind of just depends. And then other days I do a lot. So it kind of depends what we need. So my goal was to basically have like a full time like uh, uh, warehouse like, events manager, kind of operational type management role. And so this position would be basically in charge of. Um, like kind of uh, really r- running all the events. So someone that's kind of, in, he's in the know, he understands uh, what needs to be done and kind of just more of like a management type position. And so uh, anyway, we're finally hiring someone to do that now. So um, I'm super stoked for that. And um, yeah, we're going to hopefully start building like an actual team of employees to where um, we have staff and uh, things are just more systematized and organized and more like a business, you know? So yeah, super excited. Amazing. I think, uh, our business now that a place that can support that. And so, um, it'll be, I'm just very grateful that we can do that and I can spend more time on new ideas and and new stuff. And so super stoked, dude, it's gonna be a lot of fun working on the business instead of in the business. Right. Yeah. Still a little bit in obviously. Yeah. And I've always like, I was kind of realizing this the other day, like I always preach that and I always like talk like, I'm, you know, how I so much like want, you know, believe in that. And I try to do that. And I do like, I, it's not that I don't, but it's so easy to like get away from that, you know, like I have streaks of like working on the business, but, um, I quickly get back to being, to working in it. Like you just get, you get busy and you have to react. And so I think, uh, these moves of having some more, um, like hiring like more of like a management position will be really good for the business. So I'm super stoked. Um, I also feel confident between uh, events moving and this new venture we're starting, which I'll share about soon. Um, we'll be able to support uh, more staff too. So, 
It's good. I'm really excited. It's, it's, awesome. it's all things that I've wanted for a long time, and we're finally kind of getting there. So yeah, um, so yeah it's, it's a good. it's a personnel investment. You know, it's not like an expense. It's really mm-hmm. like company building rather than just like business you know service kind of building it's yeah and, and to be honest with you i would gladly like quote unquote like make less money f- to not have to be the one out there late nights and early you know what i'm saying like yeah. doing actual work like i would much rather pay someone to do that um than to be the one doing it you know so um and i'll i'll, I'll do it when i need to and i'm sure I'll, it might take it'll probably take a while to transition but um yeah, i'm just super excited and the other thing is like when I first started my business, I kind of thought, man, I want to make as much money as possible and pay like as least as possible for like help. And, um, I don't know why, but that's changed. Like now I kind of feel like, dude, I want people to love working for wonder. I want people to work here and just love it. And to, uh, you know, ideally we could pay people, you know, well and make them feel like wanted and desired. So, excuse me. I, burped. <laughs> um, uh, I, I really want to be a good place for people to work. And, yeah. um, so that's kind of what I'm trying to start now. So I'm super excited about it. And yeah, it's going to be good. I love it. Yeah. I think it's really indicative of like a, a growth mindset versus a scarcity mindset with a, if you're always thinking like, well, how can I make more money and pay people less and, you know, reduce expenses, mm-hmm. then you're kind of like putting a ceiling on what you can do and how far the business can go. And you're just kind of like squeezing the lemon as hard as you possibly can. But with an abundance mindset, you think, oh, there's more lemons and mm-hmm. I can, you're not trying to squeeze everything out of it, but you're more kind of building and investing and, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're also kind of delaying some of the benefits now to get more later. So it's, it's much more an investment attitude. Yeah. And I've also just kind of been thinking like, you know, we've been doing it for a couple of years now. Like we've had a couple of years where we've made some good money and like got to grow and expand and it's really fun. And I like that, but I've also had a taste of like having team members and being able to like take care of people and like pay that's, that's also fun too. And I really like that. Yeah. And so, um, like you're saying, like, uh, not focusing so much on like squeezing as much juice as I can for myself, but kind of like just sharing of what we have mm-hmm. and like growing it and, and kind of seeing what happens. So, um, I'm excited. I think that like I've known for a while I've wanted to be in business and the last couple of years I've kind of felt like, um, I've been liking what I've been doing, but I've kind of thought like, man, like, I didn't think I'd be doing like this kind of business, like being out there working all the time. And so I'm excited to, I think, I think doing like making these hires will allow me to continue like doing what I feel like I was really created to do, which is mm. just kind of start and grow up businesses and, and just try. And so, um, yeah, do you know another thing I've been thinking about is like, I kind of thought when we started to hire our first like full-time employee or first couple of full-time employees, I thought like, man, the first time I hire someone's going to be so important. And I, and I do feel that way, but also I've kind of felt like, this is like going to be, you know, a lifetime of this kind of stuff. So we're going to learn, we're going to figure it out and uh, maybe it'll, it'll work. Maybe it won't work. I don't know, but we'll, we're going to kind of go as we, you know, figure it out as we go. So yeah. I'm excited about it, dude. Yeah. Yeah. This is in a similar vein, but it uh, reminded me, I was talking with uh, a friend over Twitter DMs recently and um, we were talking about how we were like, I don't know how anyone meets a spouse outside of church. <laughs> like I just couldn't imagine yeah. finding a wife on I don't know, just like on a, a dating app or just like going to parties or like literally I couldn't tell you how people find a spouse outside of church. Uh, it just seems like such a, like a random happenstance kind of thing. Um, but I think it's the same thing for like making friends and even had me thinking about how uh, like the church, like the body um, of Christ, like people, mm-hmm. other Christians are really like, it's like the center 
of of our world in a lot of ways where like oh this is where you meet your spouse and this is where you like meet and find friends mm-hmm. this is where you like do a lot of business as well because you meet people and you give each other your business and um i saw that, that was a really cool i don't know i just had never really thought about how the church is such a like integral part of a community and it's how it's just such a like facilitator mm-hmm. for like all different parts of life yeah, I mean, everyone that has worked for us so far, I'm pretty sure everyone has come from Foothills. I'm almost I think we have like two people that haven't. Right. Um, but even those people like were referred to me from people that were from the church, right? So, yeah, um, yeah it's, it's an int- integral part. It's crazy. Well, that's um, awesome, man. Super, super stoked. Yeah, I got one more, one more thing to share under um, business. So we are starting a new business. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I mentioned it like... Let's go. Probably two months ago, six months or six weeks ago, I think I mentioned there were some things in the works, but um, we had, so we actually had two like new like, business ideas we were considering um, over the last couple of months. One of them was doing a kitchen and bath remodel company with um, with Connie's dad, which is super random. Um, uh, I felt very much outside of like my comfort zone. Like I, I just don't know nothing about that. And like the limited construction experience that I do have has had nothing to do with like remodeling houses and so anyway that was when we worked we worked on it for a while um and i would just kind of decide not to do it so we we kind of started the process a little bit we kind of dabbled a little we had some meetings we did some research and met with some people um and we we uh i want to say we started but we we definitely like put a foot forward and like did some thorough like research about it and i was excited because the money that can be made in that that industry is is big time (laughs) and uh like for us like the money that we can make now on an average job like is nothing compared to like a kitchen job right there's the 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 revenue that comes from that big project is crazy so bigger ticket bigger ticket so i was excited about it but uh, i knew that i fully had to rely on uh fernando connie's dad to kind of teach me and show me the ropes because i just know nothing um also um, he was specifically looking for a partner cause he's, so he's starting a new business and he wanted to partner with someone. So we were going to be like a 50, 50 partner, but he, he wanted a partner that was going to basically be like the operational person, the person that was kind of running the team, running the crews and kind of running the jobs. And I just didn't want to do that. I told him like, you know, I'm, I'm down to be a part of it, but I, I don't, um, like I've done that kind of like I've, different industry, but I've like, I've ran like crews before and I, I, yeah. I can do it, but it's not the kind of job that I, I want to do. And so um, decided not to do that one, which I was bummed about at first, but it's kind of worked out. And, uh, and with the thing we're doing now, we're actually, um, we're going to be partnering with Talia and Thomas Fitzgerald and they, um, they started a staging company back in, I think September, October. Um, so if you don't know what that is, that's, uh, f- they basically do home design and staging. So someone that's going to be like selling a house, um, putting it on the market, they often will hire a company to come in and, and stage the house with furniture. And basically they come in. Uh, mainly for like newly remodeled like construction homes that no one that are vacant no one lives in uh, that's when you would uh, that's like a common time to hire a home stager because they come in they dress the place up make it look good and boom it sells so um they started a company back in september and um talia i think i don't think a lot of people know this but talia actually has worked for wonder now our, our event business for about two years or so and um She's like a smaller role, but she does all of our like a social social media management, so Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, um, that kind of stuff. And then she also does like a lot of like design type stuff for our clients. And so she's been working with us for a while. And um, before COVID, we like tentatively like talked about starting a company together, doing staging. And then once COVID hit, she was like, "Hey, like I'm still down," and I was kind of like, eh, "Like I'm not ready yet." And so anyway, she ended up doing it um, on her own, and I just we were just we weren't ready to do it yet. And so they started it. 
And, um, you know, over the last few months, we've kind of just been like talking about potentially us basically joining at some point and, uh, that time has come. So we're going to be partnering with them and company is going to be called wonder home design and staging. And, um, yeah, I'm really stoked. Talia is going to be really kind of like the face of it, like doing, I mean, it's, it's mainly her, right? So we, we're going to provide like the, the operational side of things. We have the warehouse, we have, you know, a lot of the equipment, the guys, the trucks, um, but Talia has the eye, the design and, um, you know, knows a lot of what she's doing. So, so yeah, I'm super excited about that. Um, it's brand new. Um, we haven't like officially like posted and announced it on like social media. Um, we're, I think we're planning to do like a public launch, uh, June 1st. So mm. this will come out before that, which is okay. Cause we've kind of both said like, you know, let's just start like talking about it, kind of getting it out there a little bit and then we'll like officially launch it soon. So I'm excited. Yeah. Timing is hard because, uh, events are super busy right now. So, um, so yeah, it's a lot, but I'm, dude, I'm super stoked about it. It's again, it's what I want to be doing. So I'm excited, dude. Yeah. I mean, one of those things now where again, it's, it's out there, it's happening. And mm-hmm. so, uh, then you can kind of just, you know, let it go and you guys already have a lot of it figured out. It's that's awesome. I mean, I'm super, super stoked for you guys. Yeah, it's fun. It's a uh, first time really being in business with, a, with a friend. I've, I've been in business with, with family, right? My dad, uh, Connie worked for her dad for a while. So like I, I'm familiar with that. Um, Talia is Connie's best friend. So like they're really good friends. And so I'm super excited. I think there's a lot of upside to it and a lot of potential for things to go very, very well. So I'm stoked. Also a nice thing is it goes very, uh, so now these three companies, we have the moving home staging and then events. They all go very hand in hand. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Like same guys, same trucks, same equipment, a lot of the same furniture. So, um, it's exciting how like um, they all parallel well together. So yeah. I'm excited to see what happens, especially now like hiring full-time help and um, having like another manager. Like I think we can really grow. So yeah, I'm super stoked. I think it's gonna be one of those things where you look back on it and everyone's going to look and be like, Oh, duh. Like mm-hmm. th- that's an amazing use of resources and just like they all work in parallel and sort of in tandem and have all these overlap between, you know, customer type and uh, there's sort of like something for everyone. But like, it's just crazy how it's come together, mm-hmm. not accidentally, but, um, just it, it's come together. You know, it wasn't something you originally sat down and thought, okay, I'm going to have this like conglomerate of companies dude, that all have dude, the that's a good point you brought up. Cause like my whole life, like I've, well not my whole life, but probably since like 15, 16, like I've known I wanted to be in business, but I just had no idea what I wanted to do. And I still don't really know. Honestly, I'm kind of just like <laughs> figuring it out. Like I never knew like, like what does it mean to be in business? Like, right. Like when someone tells you like, Oh, you're going to be in business one day. Like, what the heck does that mean? Like, right. And that's, that was like my biggest struggle is like, cause all these like guys that I admired and whatever would tell me that. And I would always ask them like, how do you know that? And they all would just say, like, I don't know. I, I can just like see it in you. I just, I just know like that's what's going to happen. And, um, it's just funny. Like you're saying how I didn't plan it and I'm, I'm not planning currently. It's just kind of like happening. Um, but it feels very like natural and all like, well, um, everything fits. And I also want to say like, I want to be clear. None of this is just like random spontaneous ideas. Everything that we're doing is intentional. We, right. we think about it. We get advice. We pray about it. Um, you know, like this home stitching thing has been like a year long process, honestly, to kind of finally do it. And so, um, but like you're saying, uh, I would have nev- never imagined this, you know, 10 years ago. So, um, it's really fun. I'm super, super grateful. And I feel like I'm just honestly operating now, like what uh, operating out of what God made me to do. So mm. it's exciting. Can only go up uh, from here. Sky's that is limit. not true. <laughs> we <laughs> well, could dip down, but you never know. I don't know. That's I doubt we're going to have another is. pandemic. Um, if we do, we'll be prepared. So, hopefully, yeah. Yeah. Well, man, that's most of me. So you're up, bro. Cool. Well, I think last time I talked a little bit about how 
I was thinking a little bit about, about how to get more help and um, maybe like putting some of the capital I've built up and saved to use. Um, so I think pretty soon I'm, I'm getting close to being able to pay myself, which is kind of exciting. Nice. Um, Dude, I haven't even started paying myself yet. Come on. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm going to beat you there. Um, <laughs> which uh, is also just like a thing because um, I don't know. I need to I'll, I'll talk to my, uh, my accountant and whatnot, but there's some benefits I think to actually like using the money and not just like saving it. And mm-hmm. I don't know, like it'll make me feel a little bit better. have a little bit more kind of security. But also I think I was mentioning how I was thinking about hiring a VA to do some kind of like basic tasks and tedious things and just get some of the work off my plate to extend myself. And, uh, yesterday I onboarded my VA. So, mm-hmm. um, still TBD on like how it works out and sort of streamlined what the results are. But I'm pretty confident it'll work out well. Just be able to unlock some of my time and. Uh, What's the uh, like the program that you're using? Yeah, so it's called Squared Away. Um, they work exclusively with military spouses, and um, they're actually sort of based. They're a remote company, but the founder is based out of San Diego, so oh, cool. that's pretty cool. Her name is Michelle, and uh, I've heard her on a few podcasts, and she has a great story and is very entrepreneurial. And uh, it's a really cool company. Like, I mean, I like what they do. I want to support what they do, and so. Um, so it's basically just like a fixed kind of monthly uh, fee and hour or hourly package. Um, and then you can kind of like go up and down from there. And so I'm hoping that I'll be able to like, I'll have a need to just like offload more and more and be like, oh, this is a like fantastic deal. And I'll just like keep mm-hmm. offloading more work or have more work for them to do that to be more productive um, and do more things for, for swipe files and for the business. And so um yeah so nothing more to really share just like an update just yeah. that, that that's happening and that's um new. what are you paying her uh so oh, it's, the, sorry, the company. Yeah, it's 600 a month and how did you fight i don't know what made you think this was like the right time like what made you comfortable with that expense i know you don't view it as an expense but what made you right. um, yeah i mean i, I would still kind of see it. an expense um i think because i have a decent amount saved in the business bank account now and not like an immediate need for me to like use all of it or start paying myself a hefty paycheck at all. Um, but also because I think I've kind of been like hair on fire, kind of like going around like crazy for a while and um, just sort of like dawned on me like, oh, like what if I was able to, you know, focus more of my time on these like really high, high leverage activities mm-hmm. instead of these really like low leverage activities and just mm-hmm. start focusing more on what I like to do, what I'm good at, what only I can do rather than like all these kind of other things. Hmm. Um, and so I don't know that just idea kind of popped in my head and, uh, and then started like exploring, going, going down that rabbit hole. And then I knew it was, it was something I definitely wanted to at least experiment with because it is fairly flexible. It's not really like hiring an employee. Um, but, mm-hmm. uh, but then once I had the idea, then it was kind of hard to like, like reverse from the idea because yeah, this, Oh, like, I don't have to do this anymore. I don't have to yeah. do that anymore. And you start building a list and thinking about how nice it would be to have these things off your plate. And so then, <laughs> then it just become, becomes a thing. Um, yeah. I, I, I admire how quickly you've like made that jump to be honest. Cause I, I, with us, I think about like when I first started our business, uh, my first thing was uh, me and Connie did every event together, right? Cause <laughs> free labor, <laughs> not paying anyone. And we did it for like a month and I was like, this is not working. Let me hire some muscle. We started doing that. And to me that I was like, Oh, like that was a smart move, Jeremy, you, you know, good use of funds, <laughs> whatever. And I like got stuck in that for a while. And now it's like, I'm trying to make the next step of kind of like what you're doing, like focusing on high leverage, um, like tasks. And so it's impressive that you are doing it that quickly because nice. really your business has, 
you started, you started last year, but I mean, what, September, October, you were full time, right? Yeah. Yeah. So correct. Yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, trying to move fast and make progress. Uh, I think too, like just having like the end goal be very clear for me that it's not going to be like this ginormous moneymaker. It's more of like a, a time unlock, um, what I call like a launchpad business. And so something that can be, you know, like pay for the bills, but doesn't have to like, you know, isn't going to like make me a millionaire or anything. Um, and so like the quicker I can get to that place where it pays the bills mm-hmm. and unlocks a lot of my time, like that's the place where I want to get to. And so I think I'm like, I'm getting closer to the part where it like pays my bills. And then now I want to make some progress on being able to unlock more of my time and free that up as well. A thousand true fans. It thousand true fans is, um, is what paying your bills and unlocking your time or is it? Yeah, that's, that, that would be like, but uh, and then some, right? Yeah. And then some, uh, you know, there's costs like, you know, a VA or, and, or like software costs. Mm-hmm. Um, but also probably additional things, probably even like one other person or just like more help from, you know, you know like a contractor or something. Uh, and so, you know, if I could, if I could basically be able to pay myself something like 70, 75,000 a year, then that would be like, I would consider mission accomplished. Mm, cool. Yeah. So that's one big update. Um, uh, in a similar vein, actually, uh, just like a, a thought, kind of like a learning from this whole like experiment. It's just been, um, like, the life cycle and like stages of a quote unquote lifestyle business. Um, because you know, neither of us are like working to build like a a big, like tech company or like a venture backed company. That's like go big or go home billion dollars or whatever. Um, you know, we, you know, we want to have things that support our lifestyle and that like pay well, but like, it's not going to be like a world changing Mm -hmm. or like a billion, a billion dollar company. Um, but I think it, I was listening to, to another podcast and it was kind of like this like weird timing thing where it just kind of clicked. Uh, but I had never really thought about how like to build a lifestyle business. Um, like it's not going to be a lifestyle business from the beginning. <laughs> it's very much like there's these different modes, you know, where it's like pre, you know, starting, you have like all these grand ideas and all this time and all this, you know, this, these plans of how you think things are going to go. And then you actually start doing it and it's just like a grind and it's a lot of like building, 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 building. But then eventually you get to the top of the hill and then you start going down the other side and it's kind of smooth sailing. And you're at that point where it becomes a lifestyle business. Um, but I never, I knew that that was true, but I never really thought about the implications of, um, oh yeah, like it, it should be a grind for a year, you know, two years, possibly even like three years. And then it's a lifestyle business. Like it's not something that's going to be, you know, flexible schedule, uh, you know, work whenever I want or as little as I want from the beginning, which again, sounds like common sense now, but, um, just there's this idea of like work for yourself and freelance and build a business. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, like those are great, but it's not going to be like that for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I've honestly, for me personally, I like, I've liked the grind part. Like I've liked the, this sucks. Like, let me fix this and build it, you know, to get where I want to be. I like it for the most part. There's days I don't, but, um, well, I've liked it the last couple of years. And so now, I, now I feel like I'm finally at a spot to where I'm like, okay, I'm starting to like this less. Like let's, <laughs> let's fix this even more, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But you are right in that mindset of like, this is going to be so great. All the freedom. And then day one, like, oh crap. Like, no, <laughs> there's a lot to do. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot. Yeah. You have to really push the boulder uphill. Uh, one thing I want to say real quick. I remember, 
I think the reason why you feel that way is because, you know, if you have like a W-2, um, you know, employee's salary, right? If you have an off day where you don't produce a whole lot or maybe you just were off and didn't do a whole lot, you still get paid. Like you still get right. your paycheck. Yeah. But when you're, when you kind of make your own money and you have your own business, if you have an off day, if you don't work, like depending, depending on where your business is at, like you may not produce money that day. And so right. I think that is probably like the biggest like stress point right there for both of us is. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a very, um, uh, like with a W2 job, like everything's very like flat and linear. It's like you work this amount, you get paid this amount and that just like stays relatively flat. But, but starting your own business, you like, you work a ton and you make nothing. And then like, eventually they kind of like meet in the middle, but then like you mm-hmm. work not very much and you, you make a lot more, yeah. but in the beginning you're working a lot, you're not making a ton mm-hmm. and you have to get to that point where you start making mm-hmm. more without having to work yeah, as much. Exactly. So just a more like a reminder to myself <laughs> than anything and just trying to uh, keep myself staying through the process. Um, one other thing that's come up through the process of hiring uh, a VA has been creating a user manual for myself of basically like, Hey, here's who I am. Here's how to work with me. And this idea I came across a while back. I think I might even mention it on the podcast before, but it was a really, really cool exercise um, to go through and like actually be able to apply it. Like for example, I hopped on with a call, hopped on a call with her this morning and I was like, uh, she was like, Oh, you know, we can, uh, you know, just email me if, if you need anything. And I was like, Oh, well I probably won't email you just cause like I suck at email. She's like, Oh, that's right. Like I remember reading the manual, like, you know, it's probably better to, to oh, do this cool. or that, or, you know, you like to work this way. And I was like, yeah, that's probably why you saw an email from me at 11 last night. Cause I don't like checking it, but I still feel like I have to at the end of the day, just to make sure that nothing is, you know, urgent or on fire. Um, and so it was just, it was like the super, and then she sent me one, like her user man, cause I asked her to make one. And immediately I felt like, Oh, like, okay, this makes sense. I understand like how to communicate, what you're looking for, like strengths, weaknesses. And, um, it's just like, again, one of those things that I feel like, wow, like why haven't I done this before? So it's been super useful for like any like boss I've had or any other like coworkers I've had in the past. Of course, now I'm like working alone. <laughs> and so <laughs> I don't get to like put it to practice as much. Um, but it was a really, really cool exercise to go through. And I feel like very useful. Yeah. It's really cool. I think I'm going to do this. Like yeah. It. I would encourage anyone just in any year, like you, you don't have to have everyone do it, but as long as you have one for someone else, then that immediately gives that person like this tool to figure out how to work with you better mm-hmm. and what to expect. It's cool. I like it. Yeah. But otherwise, I mean, things are taking along. It's been kind of a slow month. It's been a little bit, uh, not discouraging, but, um, just a little bit, uh, you know, frantic, a little bit more stressed. Um, but trying to kind of take the long view. I've been trying to remind myself too of like, okay, if I were to tell like you, like what's going on, how I feel, or sorry, if, if you were me telling me all the things that I'm saying, like, what would I say back to you? And you'd probably say things like, oh, well, next month is a new month and you just have to like invest now and you see the results later. And there's like a lag and like, oh, okay. Well, like <laughs> that makes me feel better. Mm-hmm. But, um, when you're, when you're the one going through it, it's hard to remember all those like encouraging bits. Yeah. Well, like I told you last Tuesday, I think, um, cause you were sharing like your, your growth goals and I was like, Whoa, <laughs> like, they're <laughs> crazy, dude. Like I mean, your Twitter challenge, right? So yeah. that's a good example. You have how many followers right now? Uh, 9,500. Okay. So call it 10,000 and you want to get to 25,000, right? Yeah. By July 31st. Yeah. Okay. And week one, you got, so week one of this challenge, how, how big did your Twitter grow? 
like 500 followers. And how did you feel? <laughs> I was like super dis- you're, you're not disappointed. Like, no, but you I was were disappointed. Like, you were disappointed for sure. Well, yeah. you were like, I want better. Like I, yeah, I was like, it's a long road ahead. Like I need a lot more. So you grew your account by 500 followers. Okay. Guys, I joined this challenge with Corey and I started at a whopping 25 Twitter followers. Week one, guess how many I got? <laughs> one baby I'm at 26 <laughs> and I was pumped. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not excited. Oh, but, man. um, my point is this, he, dude, Corey grew by a hundred or sorry, 500 followers and you were disappointed. And I, and, and, um, I think that's good that you're like, have a huge goal, but I also think like, dude, celebrate that. That's, that's, yeah. that's sick. And I, yeah. I, so you're disappointed because at that pace you won't meet your goal, right? That's why you're right. upset. Um, looking at, at it just one week at a time, it's a big deal. I think with goals, that's important to do. Like, um, you know, look at it, like, take a step back and look at a week at a time. Cause if you look at the grand picture, like, yeah, you're far away. Duh. But this week you made a lot of progress, you know? Right. So anyway, uh, that's, I guess me pretending to be you, give you, giving you your own <laughs> advice. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's the same yeah. thing with, um, with the paid members too. Like the goal is to get yeah, to a thousand yeah. right now. I'm like sitting at 300 ish. And so I'm looking ahead and like, okay, 700 more followers, uh, or 700 more paid members by, you know, December 31st of this year. Like I still have, I'm not even halfway there. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, um, but, you know, the goal has been like, okay, 50 to 100-ish every month. And so I just need to like build up yeah. to that and get to that. And um, I liked what uh, – this is a guy I follow named Daniel Vasallo. And um, someone reached a milestone like it was like $1,000 a month in revenue. And he was like, congrats, because now at this point, like it's not a failure. Like it's it's something. And mm-hmm. uh, like you're already a success and it's like – you'll be like a great success. It's only a matter of time, even if it's really slow, even if it takes longer than you thought. I was like, that's a good way to think about it. Like it's more like, I know for sure I'll hit a thousand. I know for sure I'll hit 25,000 followers, a thousand members, but it's just a matter of when, mm-hmm. obviously I want that timeline to be sped up. <laughs> I want to do that sooner rather than later, mm-hmm. but it's good to remember that like, eventually it's going to happen. It's yeah. just a matter of when. Yeah. Uh, for me, like, I mean, I have similar like goals and obviously it's a different industry, but for me, it's like, I think, yeah, I'm not where I want to be, but like, I am very like stoked on my life right now. Like I'm grateful that I get to do what I want to do for the most part. And, um, you know, most days I do the th- things that I want to do and like, that's great. And at the end of the day, like I'm, I'm working on something that I'm excited about. And so I think same for you too. Like you're working yeah. on what you want to be doing and like, that's cool. That's exciting. Yeah. I mean, most of my like job quote unquote right now is writing Twitter threads. Yeah. For <laughs> so. real. You're at home with your wife and you right. know, you can, Walk your dog in the middle of the day. You can take a, you know, go to coffee day like yeah. on a Wednesday at 10 kind of thing. Like, that's cool. Like, that's really Could be a lot worse. valuable, you know? Exactly. So. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the pep talk. <laughs> Not pep talk. Just bouncing off ideas. I love it. Um, okay, cool. So, what are we learning? What are we learning? I want to update you guys um, from what I said last time on our last pod- podcast together. We talked about um, how I had to been spending some time learning just more about like crypto and you know, just other investments and... Um, so as you guys know, I've, so for me and Connie, we've never really put money in like the stock market or any kind of like cryptocurrency. Most of our money has been in business and real estate. And, um, anyway, I've been hesitant, but I've been wanting to jump on this crypto bandwagon. <laughs> I've been wanting to join the trend and, uh, but I'm not that kind of person. I'm not the kind of person to just like, yeah, let's do it. So, like I'm more thorough. I take my time. So, uh, I, I probably took about six weeks of kind of like learning and reading a lot about all this stuff and kind of, kind of figure it out. So I picked like two or three that I wanted to watch. Um, and, uh, I was watching them kind of waiting for them to kind of dip down. And 
long story short, I put in uh, fifteen hundred bucks, and now uh, my portfolio is at twenty four hundred seventy dollars. So I'm That's almost awesome. up a thousand dollars. I love it. Um, and I yeah, and I I don't it, we'll see what happens, right? It could easily drop yeah. out. It's gone up and down, but um, it's been going pretty. I don't think it's dropped below like seven hundred dollars in in like probably two three weeks. So so yeah, I'm super stoked about That's that. Awesome. That's my update on my investments with crypto uh, my goal Wait, okay can i just say yeah uh because the last time it's so funny because you mentioned cardano mm-hmm. and i was like what the heck is cardano i've never heard yeah. that it's taken off huh yeah but also <laughs> since then i've done my research uh-huh. cardano actually like you said is one of the the, the top yeah. kind of cryptos right now um I did a lot of research. I actually think it's really legit. Thank you. And I have some money in Cardano now. So nice. <laughs> I put a thousand in Cardano. I wish I, I wish I'd done a little more, but really? I did a thousand there. And I did five hundred in Ethereum. Hmm. Um, Had your bet? Yeah, I wish I'd done a little bit more. And I, so I had like two thousand. I wanted to put in total, and I only did fifteen hundred. So we'll see. I wanted to do a little bit more. But I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, my goal is to get enough to pay for a jacuzzi. So <laughs> and you cash out. What? You cash out? I don't know. So I that's another thing. I didn't do this like oh, I'm gonna get rich off of this. My thought was like let me just kinda dabble a little bit and yeah, see yeah. how this works and I want I want to make a couple grand. It's like my idea. So if I can make five thousand dollars, I'll be ready. I'll probably be happy. Okay. And t- I'll probably pull it out. I mean I'm gonna pull it out I mean I think a lot of this stuff's gonna come crashing down this year. Not crashing down, but I think it's gonna dip again. Cause it's in a bull that's right where now. we are in a cycle, yeah. So yeah. I think that I obviously don't know when, but I'm just paying attention to it and hopefully I get the right timing and take it out and Walk away a couple grand, I'll be happy. I and if it. I lost it, it's okay. I mean, I don't obviously want to lose fifteen hundred bucks, but yeah. And that was my mindset from the very beginning was, mm. um, you know, hopefully I win. But if not, it's all good. So. I love it. I respect it. I'm playing a very different game, but I a hundred percent. What's your game? Long game. Long game. And life changing money game. <laughs> really? Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, so what I thought was, take the money out, let it, because it's gonna drop down more, and then I'm gonna come back in hard next time. That was my, not, I don't use the word hard, come back more aggressive. Because I, I think I understand a little bit more now and I'd put more money in. I think, yeah. I like think significantly might, more money. I think you might find it hard to like completely like pull out. Um, mm. Once you see, yeah, I don't know. Once you see some returns and once you like learn more about it. The past, I mean, since our last podcast, the past like month, I've gone down a deep crypto and DeFi rabbit hole. <laughs> and um I'm never coming back out. Like I'm, I see the world a little bit differently now. And, uh, so anyways, I could explain my thoughts on it. I actually didn't have it in my notes to talk about it that much. So maybe next um, time we'll spend more time on yeah, it. Yeah. Maybe next time, but basically the game I would play that okay, I'm playing. In a nutshell, I'm thinking, yeah. what if I was able to take out 60% of what I put in? I think that's, yeah, that's good. Right, and leave some in, yeah. and then hopefully that 60% is enough for jacuzzi. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let your 1500 uh, roll into, you know, 10 grand, and then pull out Okay, but so, and do you think it would hit 10 grand this year? I think absolutely I think could. it's going to, I think I'll double from where I'm at now. That's what I think. I think I'll end up, like, profiting around, like, 3500 4000 Yeah. It's possible. That's what I think. So if I could take out that much and then leave my fifteen hundred in, get my koozie, you know, yeah, koozie land. Koozie will give returns forever. <laughs> Dude, I wanted koozie so bad. I've it, always wanted. It's, you know, a, it's a great that. investment. I've always wanted yeah. one. I love it. Big time. Oh, I'll just I'll leave it here, and maybe we can talk about it later or next time. But the thing I've realized about crypto is that we're so early and it's so wild west, but it's for sure like the future 
and we're only like at the tip of the iceberg as far as like adoption and possibility and even like the te technology itself that there's relatively low okay this goes back to one of my rules i realized that crypto is like the ultimate very <laughs> limited downside basically unlimited upside um like we're seeing with things like okay so dogecoin is like a super silly example but everyone like knows it so mm -hmm. I'll, I'll use it but uh you know you could have invested a thousand dollars when it was at like one cent per per dogecoin and then you know it goes up to a dollar and you've ah uh, what is that a thousand x your money so you've turned a thousand dollars into a million dollars that's pretty incredible mm -hmm. and i think that it's actually um it's more common than you think like basically every crypto has a sort of like run like this and it's not just like a random like gambling thing where it just like goes up and down crazy and there's like no reason for it. There actually are very specific reasons for it. And uh, a lot of these coins, like you can make these really small bets that could turn into something really large later. So I'm just trying to make my, so my small bets, get in, leave them until there's something where it really takes okay, off. But to get like that kind of, you know, life changing wealth, if you want to call it that, you got to get in, you know, at the, at the cents, right? Like, let's say you put in, yep. how much you put in Cardano? Uh, a couple hundred bucks or 200 bucks. Yeah. 200 bucks? Okay, so, like, you're not going to get rich off that, right? I mean, mm. probably not. Maybe in 30 years. I don't know, but. Well, possibly. We don't know because, okay, so here's the thing with something like Cardano. Bro, if you get rich off of 200, I want to be big time <laughs> off of my right. <laughs> Exactly. So, here's the thing. Think all the way back to, to Bitcoin in 2013, 2014, even, like, 2011. You know, Bitcoin was trade, trading at like between ten and a hundred dollars per Bitcoin. Now it's at sixty grand, right? So like, you could have bought uh, one Bitcoin for ten dollars, and now it's sixty grand. And obviously, that's going you know, sixty grand isn't life changing money, but that's a huge return. If you had five Bitcoins, that's life changing money. I would I would consider that. Um, uh, same thing with like Ethereum. Ethereum is trading really low. Now it's hovering right around four grand. Who's to say it doesn't go up to six or to, you know sixty or even a hundred grand? Even for something like Cardano, what I forgetting what the price? What was it at recently? I bought at like one twenty two. It's at one sixty something, okay. one seventy something. So if Cardano is the Ethereum replacement or at least something that can work in tandem with Cardano, why wouldn't it reach the same price level? It's as at one eighty like, right now. Okay, why wouldn't it reach four grand like Ethereum if it's sort of like the equivalent? So if you think in those terms, you think in terms of like uh, stocks, um, you know, the stock price, it could like, it could 10x over, you know, a decade. And that's like a really, really good return investment. But like uh, a crypto could 100 or 1000x in that same time frame or even shorter. And again, not because it's just like wild, like things are happening, but yeah, like it's supposed to happen that way. So anyways small bets you can always buy in later i'm just trying to like get in build like a foundation and then make smaller bets along the way and then there's things now like there's uh what's called staking where you actually like uh you deposit your crypto into sort of like a pool mm -hmm. and then it's used and you get rewarded like basically yeah, this is like compound a, right uh, a little bit yeah so basically you you provide uh, liquidity for people to transact within the system and then you get rewarded basically like a savings account so it's like five to eight percent annually which is you know <laughs> way better than a normal savings account mm -hmm. and so you're putting your crypto to work you can let that compound 
along with the price of coins going up as well. So you get appreciation and you get dividends, basically like the you know equivalents mm-hmm. of stock. Um, and then uh, there's all sorts of other things like you can, 8% is just kind of like, uh, um, that's like the standard right now, but there are like other ways and systems you can get to a hundred or, or 200% sort of APR. Um, so you can double your money every year instead of getting like a 10% return. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's my, my, my rant. So let's, um, let's retouch it again next time. Okay. I think next we have time. more to talk about. <laughs> it might be like a, like a weekly, po- weekly thing we right, talk about. Right, a little you know? segment we do. Um, oh, man. let's see what else. Uh, honestly, I have, I haven't read a book in the last month. Um, I have not, uh, yeah, I've not done well, I guess, at making time to read. Um, all I've really been doing is just my devotions. Besides that, I've not done extra reading. So I have been spending time uh, learning about things, um, such as crypto. Um, every morning I've been spending solid 30, 40 minutes just learning and reading stuff that's on my mind. Um, but I have not been reading the actual book. So we got this new chair in our, in our living room, which I'm stoked about. We got it for free, but it's just like big leather rocking chair. It doesn't really go with like the style we're going for in our home, but it's comfortable and I love it. And so, uh, every morning I've been waking up extra early to like sit in my chair, uh, drink my coffee and recline and just clutch. with my laptop. And I just like literally research random stuff. It's great. great. It. I've just running list on my phone of, you know, I run across like I, articles or ideas. I'll like write them down. So I just spend time every morning kind of like going through my list and that's fun after I read my devotions. And so anyway, I've been doing that, but I have not been reading actual books, which mm. I'm kind of bummed about. Um, that's still good information. I mean, yeah, it's, no, I don't think I'm like wasting time. I've been productive, yeah. but yeah, I want to continue reading, you know, going through my book, a uh, list of books to read. Yeah. Uh, and then when I've been falling asleep at night, cause uh, a while ago I was reading before I'd fall asleep, but now I've been, uh, like reading about crypto stuff before I fall asleep. And then it keeps you up all night. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I have some other stuff under learning. Um, but I'll skip them. I'll keep them for next time. So, okay. How about you, bro? Yeah, basically, um, I'll just read, uh, a couple of things from two books that I'm reading. So I finished with by Sky Jathani and it was great. And, um, it was a good book. You know, it's funny. It was actually, we, so I'm reading with my friends, uh, Drake and Kyle. We do like a little weekly book club. And it wasn't until like the last chapter that we realized that there was an appendix with like chapter by chapter prompts about like questions to ask yourself and like discussion points specifically for like a book club. <laughs> so we're uh, so like, oh, this would have been useful to have in the beginning of the book. But there was another appendix that also has like this list of um, practices to actually like uh, live life, you know, with God, it's sort of like the ethos of the book. And um, so that was really, really good. But there was one quote I just wanted to read from it really quickly. Um, uh, this was part of uh, that part of that Appendix B, if you will. And he said, one filter, one filter to use in examining your day involves looking at moments of what uh, Ignatius Loyola called consolation, times of moving toward God. The opposite is desolation, times of moving away from God. Hmm. What activities or moments drew you closer to God or sparked an awareness of his presence? And are there activities that regularly distract you from any sense of God? Being more aware of both of these movements can help us live with greater intentionality and aid us in developing a continual communion with him. And I thought, like, whoa, that's just, like, so cool and like, mm-hmm. so practical. I've never thought about really actively thinking about what are the things that are drawing me towards God and that really help me feel his presence and... Like I'm, you know, developing my relationship with God and what are the things that push pushing me away? Maybe those are a little bit more obvious or like you can kind of catch yourself, but especially like being mindful about the things that are life giving and that are godly is like a really, really cool 
uh, a really, really cool practice. And then he talks about a little bit like, okay, if you're, there's like seasons too. So like, are you in a season of consolation where you just like feel really close to God? And like, how do you deal with that? Or are you in a time of desolation? And do you feel kind of like you're in the desert a little bit and you're kind of, and so, and both of those are okay. And there's actually different purposes for those. So anyways, that was like a big, um, a big takeaway from, from that book. Um, and then one of the other ones that I just started, it's our new book for a book club is Garden City by uh, John Mark Comer. So we're back to another John Mark Comer book. I think it's um, it's now the John Mark Comer book <laughs> fan club. Uh, but he has these two quotes I wanted to read. Um, it really goes back to like the ethos of this podcast, but he says, in Genesis' vision of human humanness, we don't work to live, we live to work. It flat out says we were created to rule, to make something of God's world, aka to cultivate and keep. Um, and I thought that was a really cool uh, like idea of what work is again, the sort of like this idea of like, what's the difference between like work and play and hobbies and like, you know, do you just work to like pay the bills? And Mm -hmm. I think especially like getting older where you work more and more, you start to think more about like, why am I working? Mm -hmm. And like, what kind of things am I doing? And is this fulfilling or life giving? And like, what's the purpose of this? And you start to question, you know, all sorts of these things. But when you come, when you come back to something like this, where it says, if flat out says we were created to, to rule, to work, to make something of God's world, mm-hmm. that's a really cool idea of work in that this is what you are created to do. Like this is a ministry mm-hmm. almost like when you work, you are living out God's purpose for you. So like live that way and don't see work, you know, see work in, in the light that it should be. And then so in a similar vein, he also says, uh, there's a nasty rumor floating around the church right now, and it sounds something like this. It's who you are that matters, not what you do. Really? Where do the scriptures teach that? I thought that was also good, just to kind of, um, you know, it's a little bit of like, okay, well, work is just there to, again, pay the bills, or no one really likes their mm-hmm. job, and it's like, I don't, I don't really buy that. Like, you know, you. it also goes back to, um, you know, you are not your your job or your revenue? Like, where do you find your identity? I think that's a good question to ask. Like when you're placing your identity in work that isn't godly or that you don't see as a ministry, but when your work is godly, or if you do see it as a ministry, then it actually is really closely tied to who you are because that is like one of the main ways that you fulfill your purpose and you, you live your life. So anyways, another one of those kind of like paradigm shifts. Yeah, I um, I wonder if it'd be different, like if what you're saying would would be different from you, right? If if you uh maybe you're still working at Cordial or Barometrics, you know, right? I think like now that you do what you want to be doing and you work for yourself, it's easy to say this, like, and and I feel the same way, like from for me too. Um, I've loved the idea of work. I love the idea of um, you know, that we were created to to cultivate the earth and to to grow it and to kind of roll over it. Um, that excites me so much. It excites me way more now that I have my own business. But when I did yeah. it, I <laughs> wasn't as fired up on, on the topic. And so, yeah. I, like, I wonder what you say to someone that uh, maybe they have a, a job they don't love and they hate it. What, like, how do you, what's the spin on this to make it, make it appeal to them more, you know? Mm. Like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's, it's not just about like the actual work that you do, but it's about the work that, or what it enables you to do. So that could be giving time or could be giving money as well. It could be about the skills and the things that you do or the people that you meet. 
Um, you could kind of spin it around your coworkers, but also think like if I, if I had no desire to start a business or to be kind of entrepreneurial at all, that would make me think a little bit more about the types of companies that I work for, because Mm -hmm. it's not even the work that you do, but it's, uh, what that work you're doing is helping progress. And if you're working for a company that you feel like is making the world a better place, or is at least kind of like, you know, helping build a world that you want to be a part of, uh, then your work has a lot more meaning. And, um, and so it makes you think a little bit more about what you value and, you know, what your work is contributing to and not even just like the day to day activities of what you're doing. It's just the result of those activities. Does that make sense? That makes sense. And also like people are different, right? So some people prefer, you know, um, working for someone else or whatever it is. Some, everyone prefers something different. And so you can still find importance and value in production like in that, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. But I, I agree. That's fair. Uh, definitely more like speaks to me because (laughs) we're you know down the entrepreneurial path and Mm -hmm. have our own business and stuff so uh it's fair to take a different perspective if that's not you yeah studying yeah um studying slash walk with god right yeah um i've been reading through the end of book uh, the book of mark almost done um i was going through um i have like a running tab on my phone of whenever i think of things i want to share in a podcast that i go through I was looking at that and then like the last chapters that I've read and honestly nothing like spectacular that I feel like I need to share or want to share in regards to study, but um, has been something going on kind of just with my walk with God that um, I wanted to share. And um, yeah, so uh, I've kind of realized recently between like Connie and I that I, I mix up the idea of love. So I mixed up the idea of loving my wife and then providing with her. And I often think that I love, like, I can best love Connie by providing for her the best life I can provide. So, you know, there's a lot of times when, um, and this is a problem that I have, of course, I think you do too, because you you work from home and your schedule is flexible. But there's a lot of times when I'll have an opportunity to do something, um, like, extra or special with Connie, like, during the workday or stuff like that. And almost every time my response is, like, no, because I'm, I'm working or I'm too busy. Um, but the reality is like, I, I can, and I have the full ability to do the things that she often wants to do. And it kind of like just dawned on me the other day, like actually through talking with her that, um, like, it's kind of like, I'm missing like a key opportunity to like love her and to, um, to invest in her and to like make her valuable. And what I, in my mind, I've, I can have mixed up the two. I, I've, I've, I've told myself that like, I can make Connie feel the most love if I provide the, the best for her. And I think that's what I know that's wrong. Um, but it's kind of interesting, like how hard it has been for me to unlearn that, dude. But I mean, mm-hmm. the the key fundamental thing of loving my bride as Christ loved the church, and we, you know, I I say that like, I want that, and we all know that saying. But like, I know that I don't do not do that well, and I it's skewed in my head. And so, I don't know. God's been speaking to me a lot about that recently. I've and I've just felt um, like this morning I was doing my devotions. I kind of like just sat, I was thinking for a little bit, and it's just weird, like just not like I want to say renewal, but kind of just like a like a newer type of um conviction for that i guess and like my ultimate calling i think as a man is to love my wife and to love my family and then build my business and and love those around me in the church right and and i think uh if i'm being honest with you guys it's i mean it's super easy for me to put like my business above everything and just make it the most important thing and in my mind is justified i think you're probably the same to where like there's a reason I'm not trying to make, you know, be super rich. Like I, I want to have, you know, free time and you know, autonomy in my schedule, all these things I think are good and will help me 
you know, do a lot with my, you know, a lot of good with my time. But at the end of the day, like, my wife should be the most important thing to me. And so, mm. uh, there's there's a balance. That, that doesn't mean that, like, whenever time Connie wants to go take a, go get a, go get, you know, spontaneous, like, day, whatever, during the day that I go do it. No, but it means that I, you know what I'm saying, that I make her more of a priority when I can and that I love her well. And that's, like, a small example. It comes down to more than just, like, spontaneous fun together. There's, like, a lot more, like, practical, like, serving and, and you know, being slow to anger and, and having more patience, stuff like that. But uh, I guess the bulk of what I want to communicate is, wanting to love my wife um like christ, like christ loved the church and i've really just been thinking a lot about that and not taking that face value which mm-hmm. i think is easy to do and i know i've been doing it so that's huge man that's a really yeah really really big learning um it reminds me of when we talked about the aj and he was talking about like want to be like a great father be a great husband mm-hmm. and like want to be a great businessman like be a great husband like want to be <laughs> just mm-hmm. like everything came back to like just be a great husband yeah that's a good point and um yeah, yeah, I think that's uh, that's super, super true. Uh, you said that your like greatest calling. You said to love your wife, and it's actually a really, really profound kind of statement. Um, gonna have to chew on that for a well, while. I think if, I, if I'm being honest, like um, I don't think I've believed that honestly until mm-hmm. like maybe that, that sounds weird to say, but I mean, I want to make sure I'm wearing this correctly. Uh, I think I would like say that in the past and say, I, I want that. But if you look at like the fruit of my life, like, or where, where my time goes, like most of it goes towards like work and mm-hmm. then Connie really. And, um, and that's kind of what made me get like, it was like a sobering thought of like, Oh wow. Like I think what she kind of the thing she's been feeling like are valid. Like I, like I, like she should be the ultimate thing that I, that I love and care for and desire. And, um, yeah, so I've kind of okay. Like that's that is my ultimate calling, and so hmm. everything else comes after that. Yeah, and just like remembering that. So, but like like I said, I have to unlearn what I've told myself, right? Because my natural tendency is like work, 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 and um, yeah, you just got to find the balance, I guess. So. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, that's a big one. Thanks for sharing that one. My turn. Your turn. All right. Well, I have to admit. Uh, and I wanted to be, to admit because it's not all, you know, ups and, uh, and highlights all the time, but the past month I have been absolutely terrible at doing my devotions and, um, it didn't even like dawn on me until like a week ago and just like time had flown. It's always this, this isn't like an excuse, but it's just something I've noticed that after every trip, you told me that you always tell me that every single trip. And I even think about, I'm like, I'm not going to let it. And then it somehow does. And, uh, so since we got back from Cancun with her vacation, I just, I have, I think I've done it twice, done my devotions twice, which is super embarrassing and terrible. Just wanted to mention that, but I have been, it's not really the same as, you know, doing, it's not doing my devotions, but in a similar vein as studying and you know, what has God been teaching me, I've been going down this rabbit hole of, uh, it's been like a big theme. I think the past few months of like giving and generosity and like sort of what does that mean and biblical, you know, mindsets of that. And I've, I think all my notes the past couple months have been around, there's been some sort of point around that, but I was doing a lot of digging into tithing. Uh, cause I read an old article by, um, this guy named Dale Partridge who I followed, um, for a long time and I've read a few of his books, but he had this article called why tithing is biblical, but it's not Christian. And it caught my eye, obviously, and I was like scrolling <laughs> through, uh, his Instagram stories and I was like, what? What the heck is this? And so um, clicked on it. But I really, really like and respect him. I think he's very biblically grounded. 
And so I read through it um, and he has some really interesting points. And so I'm going to read a little bit just because like, I can't perfectly regurgitate everything that he said. Um, but I want to highlight some of the points, then I'd love to get your kind of thoughts and ideas on it too. Cause I'm not really like here to be like, Oh, here's something I've like learned or like, here's like where I'm at, but more just like, I'm thinking about this and chewing on it. I'm not really sure exactly what to make of it, but you know, here's what I've been learning. So he said, first challenge a few modern church practices. Tithing was about food and never about money. There's not one passage or scripture telling any Jew or Christian to give 10% of their money to a religious institu institution. And you have to like take this very exactly because he's wording this uh, very precisely. He says, second, while tithing is biblical, it is not Christian. This was strictly a practice for the nation of Israel under the old covenant, which has been fulfilled by Jesus Christ in the new covenant. Furthermore, we do not see any instruction or example of a New Testament Christian tithing, like temples, sacrifices, dietary laws, and priests tithing. Uh, oh, and priests. Tithing has been nailed to the cross and no longer has an active role under the new covenant. Um, so that kind of like sets the tone a little bit. Again, I'm like cherry picking. So there's a lot more meat in here and we'll have the link to the article in the show notes if you want to read it all. And hopefully I'm representing it okay. Uh, obviously that leaves you hanging kind of wondering, okay, well, <laughs> if, if tithing is not Christian, um, then like, what do you make of this? So he says, but if giving isn't built on tithing, how should biblical Christians view giving? Give to the poor, give to the need. Uh, oh, so he has three points. He says, give to the poor, give to the need of the saints and give to shepherds in your life. So he basically says like, look, there are all sorts of like people and causes and organizations that sort of, uh, are, are the poor quote unquote. Um, you know, the Bible has lots of instructions about taking care of, uh, orphans and widows and people in need and even like spiritually poor people evangelizing. Um, then it's the second one. So give to the need of the saints. And this is actually a bit more of like, you know, instructors, uh, so he talks about as, um, uh, you know, pastors or just like ministers in general, uh, missionaries, people like that. And then he also says, give to the shepherds in your life. So people who have an active role in mentoring and molding you and sort of like, uh, you know, people could think of more as like father figures even. Um, and so he gives an example of like Paul, for example, uh, Paul was asking for money to survive him because he would come to these churches and he would travel all the way there and he would teach and he would instruct and he would build them up spiritually. And it was okay for the church to give back to Paul. And I say the church, like the body of Christ, the, the people in the church um, to give to Paul in order to uh, sort of as like an exchange, right? So Paul comes and works on them spiritually in return, he gets uh, money and, and, and food for his work. Quote unquote. Yeah, question. Yeah. Um, is he, explain this that right there as giving is different than tithing like in that in that circumstance yes. right there so you know, paul comes and we want to thank paul for his service so we're going to give to him that that's not a tithe that's what he's saying right right so he's at this point he's kind of saying like tithing is not like a uh i guess like a modern christian practice uh but giving is and giving is instructed but there isn't like a 10 percent mandate you know quite literally what a tithe is does that make sense? So it sounds like he's saying in a nutshell that like Christians should still give to the church of which they are a part of, but they're not required to tithe the 10%. Exactly. Yeah. So he says on there, like, 
um, you know, giving depending on your needs and your heart. And uh, there's a couple of verses. Again, I'm I'm sort of butchering it a little bit just because I can't like read the entire article to you and that'd be boring. You can go read it, but he talks about how he's like, look, that could be mm-hmm. 1% or that could be 100% of your money. Um, you absolutely should give some portion though. It's not 0%. That's for sure not the case. Um, but mm-hmm. there's, you know, all these ideas around, uh, oh, I'll get to it in a second. Uh, actually, I'll get to it now. First Corinthians 16, two says, uh, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. So basically this passage kind of brings out like, okay, we should give individually, uh, regularly for a purpose, methodically, and also proportionate to our income. So there's like some instruction around there, like giving is a thing, but there wasn't any like specifics around how much, when, to who. Second Corinthians nine, six through seven says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. So he talks about how like, look, money is still like the most common topic in the Bible. God loves giving. He instructs giving. Like we're also like, it's, it's sort of a commandment to give, but just not in the, uh, the formal sense of a tithe is the argument that he's making. I was doing a little bit of digging, kind of just like seeing what other people have said and thought. And I thought it was interesting that actually Billy Graham um, had said that uh, he said, we have found in our home, as we have thousands of others, that God's blessing upon the nine tenths, when we tithe, it helps it go further than than uh, ten tenths without his bless- blessing. So he basically says like, um, you know, that they, he was kind of like dodging the question a little bit. It's like not super clear, but basically he said like, we think that tithing is a good thing and it's like a good kind of benchmark, but that it's not required. Like there's still, you know, there's no, there's a lot of questions around, you know, do you tithe your net income or your gross income? Um, do you give it all to a local church? Do you give it to international churches or to other causes? Um, and the, the Billy Graham statement was, you know, those decisions should be based on personal conviction. So there's definitely a lot of gray area in this mm-hmm. and a lot more than I had realized before. So that's why I've been studying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's been the, the rabbit hole I've been going down. Yeah, I started reading the article. I have the tab open right here. I just never finished it. Um, hmm. So I mean, a tithe means 10%. Yeah. Right? A tithe okay. is quite literally 10%. 10%. So he is just saying... So I can be clear, and everyone listening can be clear that he's just saying that in the New Testament, there really is no requirement for like a 10% mandated or minimum like requirement as a Christian, right? Yeah. And it's interesting too, because um, I think that... Do you feel like you agree with it? Or what, are you, what are your thoughts so far? Well, I don't know, because here's where my mind is going, is that uh, I think there's an argument to be made for it, especially because if you if you're cherry picking what is sort of like old covenant and what's new covenant and what you bring into like modern Christian practices and what you don't, um, it like, it's kind of up to you. Like if you are cherry picking those things at your convenience, then you can't just like exclude certain things because you include others. You know what I mean? Like there has to be like a rhyme and a reason for it, especially with this like old covenant versus new covenant idea. And so, 
um, you know, if, if you take that mindset of, well, tithing, you know, we shouldn't just abandon it just because it's an old covenant thing. Well, then, like, what do you say about all the other old covenant practices around, uh, I don't know, like eating, um, uh, eating pork or around, mm-hmm. um, and I'm just going to name like a few things like eating pork or a lot of the Jewish laws, um, certain practices within the nation. Like there's a whole big long laundry list that you can kind of come back to and say, okay, well, why don't we do, why don't we do this? Why don't we do, do that? Why don't we do this? So how's you thinking a little bit about why it's been carried with us? And I don't know what to think of that. I haven't done, hmm. um, that's as far as I've gotten with my research. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I feel like my natural like tendency is to like one, but not tendency. Inclination is to want to uh, disagree with this, but I don't know. So I'll just share like a personal thing that maybe summarizes how I feel. So uh, me and Connie have we always tied like on our personal income, but for our our income has has been interesting. Um, at least with the business, so Connie um, has had a W two job with a consistent salary. We tie ten percent off that from the business. Um, we're actually about to finally start doing it, but up until this point, I have never really taken like a full salary. I mean, the business pays mm. for a lot of expenses for right. us, and then we take like, like an owner's draw from the company um, as needed. And when we when we take that, we so any money we take out of the business, we tithe on that, right? So an owner's draw, I would tithe on, but if the business, you know, business pays for like our house Wi-Fi and it rents out, it rents the office from our house, whatever, we don't tithe on that because it's expenses. But um, so there's that. Um, but we have given like through our business like, a good amount. Like, last year we bought someone a car and um, we did some other small things like that. Um, so we've like, done some like, extra giving. And I don't feel like God has necessarily like gone out of his way to bless us for the extra giving. But here's when I feel like things change. This is, so like a month ago, a little over a month ago, we just, I don't know if I told you this, we decided we want to start tithing off of um, our business revenue. We decided hmm. we want to tithe off of the net income. Yeah. And, before we even um like started doing it just we literally like just talked about it and i kind of felt convicted like i wanted to do it and i told connie about that and we like agreed we're gonna do it uh i literally um it was like two days later we were going through some papers in our office and we found like a thirty four hundred dollar check in our office that was over like a year old and it was from when we closed escrow on our house it was like (laughs) like a credit we had from our our escrow super weird how that worked almost four grand just like Hmm. a random check I don't want to be weird. I don't know if that's God or what that is, but to me, that's like, hmm, like that's interesting, like how that just happens. And then, since we made that decision, I I, I feel like business has just been so good. Like mm. revenue, like m- money has just been coming in. I'm speaking frankly, I mean, people, have, it's just been really, really good. Yeah. And so I don't know. I think there's something about tithing, something about just like doing it and then giving more. So like yeah. our mindset is we want to tithe our ten percent and then do more on top of that. And and you know if we're gonna tithe off of our paycheck from the business and also going to tithe off of like the business income as well. Like we for sure don't have to do that one. Um, that's like a decision we want to make. And my point is this before we even did it, just like talking about it, we feel like, uh, God has just blessed us, you know? And this is like brand new. We actually haven't even like tithed our first check yet. We mm-hmm. have, cause we have to go as net incomes. So we have to go back and reconcile the accounts and figure all that out. Right. Um, but just uh, my point is this: I think when our heart was in this position of okay, my God, because my whole thing was this really is God's money, and I want to like, it's not mine; it's God's money, and so you know I want to give it to Him and let Him just bless it. And as soon as we like decided that, like I feel like His blessing was like immediate. And mm-hmm. so I don't know; that may like be a long little tangent, but that's I, how I feel in a nutshell. But I do think it's just super interesting. I, I will read it, and I guess yeah, 
I hundred I hundred percent agree, and I feel like if nothing else, I feel like it's just a a good. I don't think it's a bad practice to be in, and if anything, like I would understand why churches would teach that and and use it as a sort of benchmark of, you know, uh, it's a tithe and offering you can give, mm-hmm. you know, according to your ability. Um, but like if you're a part of a church, you're, you're not required to like tithe to like go to church mm-hmm. or to be a member of the church. Um, and so I feel like even just, uh, it's definitely not a bad practice. And I don't think that anyone we know preaches or teaches that it is like a requirement and something that you absolutely must do technically as a tithe. Right. I don't think there's any question about giving and about giving money and like giving to the church and the church related uh, causes or programs or organizations. Um, I think it's more, it's kind of like a semantics technicality kind of thing. I think it's important to some degree, but um, also just to be clear so that, you know, everyone knows where we're coming from. (laughs) uh, I have been tithing my gross income since I've been working full time, even through unemployment, even through, you know, tight months and stuff. So I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm not here to like conveniently good recovery, Corey. Right, right, <laughs> right. This is why we haven't tithed for the last four years or whatever. I encourage people and have encouraged people. And even after, even if I was swinging the complete opposite way, I would still encourage people to at least give 10% of, mm-hmm. of their income. Uh, whether it's net or gross, I don't really know. And that I, that's what I tell people. But I think it's good practice to be in. Yeah. The point is a little bit more around... Um, giving in general and how to think about giving, like what is a Christian mentality around giving? Um, I, I especially was, was curious about his thoughts around, you know, between one and a hundred percent of your income. So I think it's, this is a, like a path that I think the Lord has kind of been leading me down and like, it's not coincidence that this is like something that caught my eye and that I've been learning about. So I think that there's something to it. I'm just not sure exactly what it is, but I think that it is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think giving is, it's exciting. Like, it's really fun. Like, the little we've done, like, it's been super rewarding to us. And um, I don't know. I think that when you don't look at, like, giving or tithe as, like, a something like you have to do, like, it, there's more joy and more excitement in it. Um, yeah. I agree. One more thought. So, you, Honey, you, you said that you don't think we know anyone that teaches on giving or sorry, as tithing as a requirement. Is that what you said? Yeah. I believe Foothills teaches that. Not this. Re- I, mean, I think they teach, we have a choice, but I, mean, I I know they clearly teach it as a sin. If you're not tithing because you're directly disobeying mm. God's word. Interesting. That's what they, I know. They teach okay. that. Yeah. I'm probably mistaken there. I don't know. I was trying to think about what their policy was and maybe I've just, I can't remember it because I, I wouldn't have had like a problem with it. So I just didn't pay any attention to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I did go look and I was looking through all the verses about money and about, you know, tithing and where it's mentioned. And again, it's probably one of those like gray area, gray areas. Uh, but I don't think that in the Bible it is explicitly mentioned in the New Testament as like a commandment mm-hmm. or as a requirement. Uh, explicitly as a commandment and explicitly in the form of a tithe. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. No, it makes sense. Well, that's what he's claiming in the um, right. 
article. And I, I don't, I don't think he's wrong there. So if it was being taught as a requirement, um, you know, it's, it's basically comes down to like biblical interpretation. Yeah. So just to be clear, what you're, but basically what you're saying is, Hey, I found this article. I think it's really fascinating. I'm reading about this. I'm still tithing. Like I'm not going to not tithe, yeah. but I think it's interesting. We should, we should read this and think about it. Yeah. Right. I mean, if anything, I, th- I mean, uh, the, st- the statistics kind of tell us that like hardly anyone tithes anyways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if anything, this is kind of like a, Hey, you should think more about like giving mm-hmm. and not necessarily like tithing so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and more of a call to action to to give more, whether it's in the form of a tithe or something else. I don't really care, but people should really yeah. think about giving. Yeah. All right. Anything else, Corey, for you? Uh, check my notes. I think, don't think, think that's so. It. I think I've checked all the boxes. Uh, really span the gamut, but I think we've done a good job this episode. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> I think so. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening today. Three things you can do to help us support the podcast. If you can, pop into your podcast player of choice, uh, preferably Apple Podcasts, and leave us a review. Um, you know what we should do, actually, is we should go through and read some of our reviews. Um, I'll have to make a reminder next time to read one of our reviews. But if you leave a review, we might just give you a shout-out on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, preferably five stars with a six star in the comments or in the, actually, the actual review section. Um, you can also share it with a friend podcasts are hard to grow it's hard to reach new people the main way that it gets shared is kind of just through word of mouth so if you can that'd be amazing and if you haven't already hit that subscribe button and we'll see you in the next one